The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Joining us on the line, Brad Coima of Coima and Kamek. And Brad, thanks again for being able to join us today on the Talk to the Trade Interesting week, trade week all the way around. We don't have trade on Thursday due to Thanksgiving. Today we only traded about a half day up until the noon hour, and then we cut it short there. So kind of an interesting week overall. But let's talk about some things that had some green on the screen and were really kind of moving even with a light day of trade, and that's livestock, whether it be live cattle, feeder cattle, lean hogs, all of them doing very well to end in the green today. So let's start here with live cattle. Overall, we end up almost a dollar on that December live cattle contract and more. Some bullish fundamentals coming in earlier in the week with a bullish cattle on feed report. Should we have closed higher than we did on cattle? Well, that's a fair question. Quite that, by the way, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy being on this program. Um, uh, quite a bit, so it's it's good to good to be on here today. Um, with a combination of um, the bullish cattle on feed report Wednesday, which um, I think for some of us old goat fundamental dinosaurs like I am, uh, you know, we finally sat there and, and said, "Well, about time a report that makes a bit of sense." Um, if one recalls what it was like, feedlot conditions in the north in October, they were horrible. You know, it rained every 15 minutes, um, uh, plus the whole the whole profitability of the cattle feeding thing, um, certainly no runaway at all. Uh, and one could argue that maybe we weren't particularly, especially super current either. So you have to have an empty pen in order to get placement. So, you know, I, I know that I sat there and I thought, well, surely we're going to have a better placement or a bullish placement number. I'll finally get underneath this 99 that was guessed but i've been disappointed so many times the last three quarters of a year here with the placement number staying so big that i guess it was it was hard to be too cocky so the placement number was solid the on feed number was friendly the uh number of cattle marketed uh was also a positive uh, compared to guesses so that's just a nice report but then on top of that, I thought the other thing that really maybe would have given us just a little more punch here today was the fact that this cash market finally did what we needed to do. And by that, I mean the north, which has been sitting on a few um, bigger cattle. Uh, this part of the world here was a, was was an aggressive, massive seller of that style of cattle here on Wednesday. Um, lots and lots of them. And uh, a lot of the packers participated. Uh, you know, sometimes that happens here. Um when you're getting toward the end and the packer can see that, well, it looks like if we don't buy those, there isn't many behind that. Uh, you know, there's always a little bit of a trough here between when you get through with those long-fed calves and the first of the yearlings, and I think that's right where we're at here in the north. Now, I think the north is going to come into next week in a much, much, much more comfortable supply position. Uh, so, yeah, to your point, um, so nicely higher, you know. Am I disappointed? Maybe a little, but I mean, this was a solid couple of days. Uh, this has been a solid week, frankly. You know, if you look at where we started here five, six days ago, uh, we've put a we put a fair bit on here. Um, but uh, as you and I were talking off air, there probably is a couple of issues that the people that are negative want to probably talk about, right? Exactly. When you talk discuss the negative side of this, uh, talking with a commodity broker in my college days, he always talked about the seasonality of cattle, and his big push to his clients was to possibly sell live cattle following Thanksgiving because he said, everybody ate turkey, you want to sell beef. And seasonality, we go into that first week of December where we could see a little bit of a dip right in here. But live cattle not liking seasonality this year. 
No, good question. Um, I think, and, and worth worth a minute to talk about. Uh, there is a strong. It's a very short seasonal, but there is a very strong seasonal for a, a pretty significant low to be made at the end of the first week of December, right? So that 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 starts with. Uh, uh, selling it the day after Thanksgiving, uh, you know, what, eight, nine, ten days, whatever, depends on how Thanksgiving falls, of course. Uh, but there's a pretty decent seasonal that that, uh, that that often works. Is it a lock? Of course not. None of them are. But uh, um, so, so you had that. And I heard that in the trade today, different people I talked to. That's, well, I'm going to sell it because it always works, you know, whatever. It doesn't always work, but certainly the, 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 the tendency is there. Now, one of the things about the seasonals that I guess, like you mentioned, and I would reiterate, as we've had as contra-seasonal year on the cattle as I can remember, and I'm 60, okay, and this is all I've ever done, so this is 38 years of doing this. Um, we made our, Feb cattle made their low uh, the second or third day of April. Uh, Feb cattle so far have made their high the last day of September. Uh, so we're making lows when we should be making highs. We're making highs when we should be making lows. So I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, so let's stay tuned. I'm not necessarily sold on that idea for sure. One other thing that that's a little bit of a something that probably is worth noting here is that uh, you know the funds are a big part of our market, uh, like them or not. They are a big part of our market. Um, almost all of these funds, these big funds, now have a year end at the end of November uh, to avoid that end of December. Uh, a lot of those funds uh, are structured such that the that, that there's incentive and uh, to uh, well they're paid basically on performance a lot of them are at least a percentage of them are and so there's some incentive then to liquidate you know when you get to the end of the quarter or the end of the month or certainly at the end of the year so I know there are some people that are wondering if there could be some fund selling just liquidating some of their positions I don't know that the funds are a big long the cattle anyway you know but uh, there is some thought that next week, the last week of November, might trigger a little bit of fun selling. We'll see. And let's switch over as we start to round out this first segment. Hogs, they really had another strong day of those Feb hogs, up almost $2. How much further can we continue to roll on this fear of African swine fever and a hopeful G20 summit between President of China and President of the U.S.? Well, I think the um, these hogs are whippy, by the way. They are... Um, probably the most difficult uh you know if you want to pull out the uh, wells wilder book uh with uh, these this wave pattern thing you almost never get this kind of a formation this big w formation that you've got on the on the february hogs you know outside day reversal down on tuesday gap lower wednesday but then to come spinning around and come higher here again today it was a huge technical relief to the market uh which puts it in pretty good shape technically for next week for sure um typically the week after Thanksgiving would be your highest slaughter week of the whole year on the hogs. We've had some big ones. You know, we've set records here the last little while with all-time slaughter levels. Uh, yet the market has been able to at least not, you know, collapse in the face of that. Uh, certainly African swine fever. It hit another, well, got near Beijing, uh, China this morning, it was reported. So it, it, just when you think maybe there's a day or two without some news, it seems like that that uh, continues to accelerate. Uh, there are those, and I would certainly be one of them, who, you know, think that, what we're hearing out of the China thing may or may not necessarily be the whole story, as they are uh, going to tell us what they want us to know out of that deal. So there's some of us that think that that situation is likely quite a bit more serious uh, than even what they're letting on. So um, as to the G2 summit, I just hope that we get some positive movement out of that deal. Um, the players that are involved seem to be the ones that that's usually where we get that more positive dialogue. Um, so I think there's some hope there. So based on that, 
you know, maybe we can take this thing one more leg higher. Maybe take these Feb cal- our Feb hogs rather someplace in the low 70s, uh, just barely in the low 70s maybe. But at that kind of a deal, I, if I was a hedger, I would certainly be dialed in. We've got a ton of supply, and you got to have perfect demand with this much supply. We're talking livestock. We still have marketing strategies as well as grain talk and outside market commentary coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield talking the train today. Again, Brad Coima of Coima and Kamek. In our last segment, we are pretty heavy in the livestock discussion, but a lot of important things coming from that. Brad, one part we didn't get to, though, and a question that I want to ask. So we're unseasonal here on these cattle charts. Still have quite a bit of bullish factors. For guys that are looking at their hedging strategies, what are some things they should be taking into mind right now when they're looking at their options? Well, there's a couple of big things here that I think, uh, one, don't forget how the, and I wish that this basis is as difficult as it is with everything to do with the futures market to predict. Basis is even, even, even another, you know, throw that into the mix. Don't, you know, I think that we, the last two years, though, we've had a very strong basis. In other words, we've had a tendency to have cash over futures. Now, we're going into a little more of a premium structure kind of a market, so I, I don't necessarily depend on that this year. I don't think we can. You know, last year we had lots of times we were three to five over, and in some cases even more than that. Um, excuse me, at different times. So I would be a little less confident in that 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 big strong basis. So that's one thing. Now, uh, the other the other situation here, I, to me, you've just gone through a peak supply period in the north. We're going to go into less cattle, at least in the north. We just got a cattle and feed report that told us we've got a few less placements. Uh, To me, you've got some fundamental stuff, and you also have a chart pattern now that looks like it's pointed a little bit upwards as well. Uh, You know, so if you if you're sitting here and saying, "Well, you know what? I just I I can't sleep at night unless I get some marketing done," maybe this is the time to do something more straightforward, like a simple buy put strategy. And that, of course, would be a strategy that I would be watching if I thought the market had some upside potential. So. Uh, the 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 uh, you know as far as targeting some of this stuff, um, you know my summer markets is where I I, I, I usually uh, concentrate my hedging. I'm really not too interested in selling FIP cattle, particularly if you have a risky weather situation and there's a system, but with another system behind it that's out there in the forecast. We'll see how much that plays into it. But whenever you get a if you start to get a difficult winter feedlot deal, February cattle have some upside potential. So. I would be a, a wait-and-see kind of a guy here, waiting for better opportunities, or at the very least, if I had to do something, I would be something something with upside potential like a buy-put strategy. Brad, in our last segment, we were kind of talking about the trader's mindset. A lot of funds may look at to liquidating some positions going into the end of the year through December, so that way it looks good for their financial reports coming out in the early part of the first quarter. The trader, he's had kind of a different week. Again, no trade on Thursday, light trade on Friday. What is the trader's mindset coming back into the office this coming Monday? Well, I think the, the one thing that, you know, and I've got it right up here on my third screen over here to the right, um, and that's the S&P chart. Um, you had, uh, you know, you've got a market that, well, it's below where it was on 1st of January, okay? You know, so... Yeah, is the whole world tied to that deal? You know, you'd be surprised how many people don't 
have any stocks or any stock portfolio. But in a bigger sense, there's a lot of people that do. You know, so when you start looking at it, a change in value like that, does that change, you know, consumer habits a little bit? You know, typically would that be something that might they'd be viewed a little differently uh, in terms of, you know, especially uh, discretionary spending, uh, things like that. So uh, for me to sit here, though, and, and, and um, you know, put a lot of dissing on, on what's going on, you've got, what, most employment and in, in, highest employment in 50 years or something like that. Um, you've got energy costs that are cheap uh, for whatever reason. They are. Uh, you know, to me, uh, I, I would say that the problem here is more – after the midterm elections with a trader here, okay, now he kind of knew what to expect, no matter how you voted, uh, right? I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to be political, but you you, you kind of knew what to expect. Okay, now you've got a situation where we're probably going to have to expect something that's more like gridlock again. Um, you may not have quite that as friendly a business uh, political uh, uh, landscape. Uh, so and I think that that tempers into, uh, you know, I, I think Susan and I talked about this prior to the election. You know, if we get back to this gridlock deal, the the, the crowd was going to feel like there was probably a less of a chance of getting a short-term deal with China. Um, you know, and I know that's what the bean trader and the pork trader generally were thinking. So I think that's some of the some of the mindset here uh, that that we're going to be dealing with. And of course, there's always controversy out of Washington D.C. where you're one tweet away from having somebody upset again. Brad, as we start to ramp up here with the Fontenelle final bell, we haven't talked any grain, so let's briefly touch on those here at the end. Corn, again, another sour day. Soybeans, a sour day, and wheat turning sour at the end. But there could be some underlying fundamentals that maybe look good for corn in the long-term run as some um, small bulls. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the fact that we're not spending five minutes. I mean, I'd love to be able to, to give you everything I had with both barrels on the grain thing, but what, what have we left to say? Uh, on the soybean trade, I mean, we got a big crop, and South America's off to a great start, and we're not exporting any to China. You know, I mean, and 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 yet the, we've known that, right? I mean, other than the conditions, early conditions for South America are pretty favorable, but for the most part, this market has just been inundated with bad news. Um, at some point, enough is enough. You know, I, I guess at this point, at least I'm hoping we stop going down. It certainly wouldn't hurt to get a little bit of good news from China. Corn, on the other hand. Corn on the other hand has done some of the things that I think that you know are, are, are things that I watch. Uh, you know, I watch what the spreads do. I watch what basis does. Uh, basis is beginning to tighten a little bit. Um, in fact, I've got a couple of ethanol plants that are having a hard time even coming up with enough. You know, a lot of inventory around, so they've had to kind of push their basis a little bit off and on a little bit. So, uh, the the corn market has done what it's supposed to do, and that that is that a market goes to a price low enough that we increase the amount of demand or we increase usage. So demand has been outstanding, um, both from a feed standpoint and from an ethanol standpoint, and even the exports have been good enough. So I've got some encouragement for the corn. Uh, you know, if I was trying to figure out some kind of a hedge strategy, you know, don't, if, you, if, you, if you're willing to be a little bit creative, maybe take a look at these out-of-the-money calls, buying them. That way, if the market does, when the, if it does, rally here later on going into springtime, maybe that'll give you a little bit more uh, uh, courage. Uh, you may be able to get some marketing done then. Um, if I was an end user of corn, and I am because I feed cattle, uh, this is a spot here where I'm looking at having some ownership from a long hedge standpoint, because uh, that's my view of the corn. Wheat market's been, you know, inundated by the spreads. Nobody likes KC. We had a little bit of export hope here in the Chicago wheat, but that kind of fizzled. Uh, the world's full of wheat is, is, is one of the 
problems there, and of course that also has a tendency to weigh on the corn market. Again, we've been talking with Brad Coima of Coima and Kamich here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Of course, catch it anytime as a podcast at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.